general nerdery. We almost had to cancel again. Poor Stephen, who was supposed to be on this episode, regular guest, editor on Word Balloons, like, probably one of the most involved people on Earworm outside of, well, the people in this room. And Danny, I suppose, so. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. He's uh, going to be in this room in a little bit. Yes. So. Uh, so, called out sick today. He was supposed to be on this, and I was like, oh, well, oh, God, do we have to cancel? I would have cried. I would have cried if we had to cancel another recording session it's in 2023. It's cursed. I mean, not just that. It was this close anyway because of me as well. Yeah. So he's got his fingers very close together. Very close this together. Y'all <laughs> can't see it. Super close together. Never again are we going to jinx this by saying we can get this done in a month if we, we just We were do supposed this. to be done with this <laughs> two months ago. Two months ago. <laughs> Early February. We're halfway. <laughs> It's going to be July when we're ready for the next <laughs> session. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to General Nerdery, your podcast about liking things. Aloha, bienvenidos, and welcome to Noob Island, a place for nerdy fun, friendships, and learning. I'm Professor T. And I'm Professor Z. Much like the starting zone of many video games, the goal of our island resort is to teach visiting noobs about geeky subjects, but away from the stress of having to worry about sweaty tryhards, griefers, know-it-alls, or neckbeards. We like to think of it as learning and luxury. Mac? Yes, Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> it's never not weird to me. <laughs> Welcome back for the third part of this. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you guys are here. Yeah. It, this feels the most normal that I've felt in a long time. I'm glad, you know, I'm when glad. we occasionally have to cancel a podcast thing, I'm, oh, there's always part of me that's just like, oh, thank God, I have so much stuff to do on an average day. It's kind of nice. But, like, I've gotten so used to podcast. It's not just I've gotten used to podcasting. I enjoy doing this so much that, like, missing one day, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of nice. Oh, I can take a nap. And then, like, miss more than one, and I start to just get antsy. Like, <laughs> I am ecstatic to be doing this today, and I'm doing this in the middle of COVID brain fog, muscle relaxers, and two hours of sleep. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> if he starts talking about the pink elephants, that just fair We just out. roll with it. It's fine. There's a reason I have this rock star next to me right now. <laughs> oh, man, I left my coffee in my truck. That's fine. I'll just be bouncing off the walls on the ride home. You know, whatever. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> what have we been ingesting? Tyler has mostly been ingesting muscle relaxers, but maybe some stuff with it. Honestly, saying that mostly, that's probably true <laughs> considering how bad my appetite tanked for the past week, but... Yeah. <laughs> it does make you sound like a crackhead when I say that that way, but... Um, what have I been ingesting? If you couldn't tell by what I had just said a couple minutes ago, I ended up with COVID again, and so I was watching a lot of things that I could fall asleep in the middle of while I was just laying there in my living room. Um... So my ingesting has been uh, re-watching A Mighty Wind twice in a row. Uh, Rewatched the first season of Shorzy maybe a total of six times. I was going to say, you told me three times back to back yesterday. <laughs> so. And that's not counting the other days that I put it on. <laughs> as well as re-watching both seasons of Reservoir Dogs. Twice, and I think an extra time onto the second season. Uh, and the rewatch the first three seasons of Big Mouth. The new things were at a certain point, I did have to start switching it up, kind of. 
so I list. Oh, I want to make sure I get the names right. Let me pull this up real quick. Saying you watched most of the stuff that much is mostly like I slid in and out of consciousness. I mean, depending on the episode, I was still just right there. Like that's fair enough. There's a se- uh, there's two episodes that are back to back in season two of Reservation Dogs that I just tickle me pink, and so. It was like, oh, it turns out I'm waking up right now. <laughs> that final scene in Shorzy is still one of the best moments in television I've watched in a couple years. Uh, so I also started listening to two new podcasts, partially because of how much I was re-listening or re-watching Reservation Dogs. So I listened to all of the episodes of Native Film Talk that Ooh. had to do with that, as well as all the episodes uh, of the Real Indigenous podcast that had to do with it, as well as their episodes having to do with Rutherford Falls, Dark Winds, and Prey. Nice. I don't know Dark Winds. Dark Wind. I know I'd mentioned it that when I'd watched it we before. We mentioned a lot of stuff. Um, it's kind of a police procedural... Eh, kind of a procedural... Based in, it's a period piece. It's in the 70s on the Navajo Reservation. This sounds vaguely familiar. Okay. Uh, with Zon McLarnon starring, uh, I can't remember the name of the actor that is the, the co-star, but he was Embry Call in the Twilight movies. And it's uh, them trying to solve like a murder mystery, but it starts to get intertwined with some of the local mysticism and cosmology based off a a book series by Tony Hillerman that came out way back in the day. That is, that's an interesting story all of its own. Now that I've listened to all those episodes, I can talk a lot about it, but (laughs) I won't necessarily go into it now. The cool thing about it is, is it was basically the book series was, were all written by a white guy who was, kind of telling tales out of school. Like some of the things he was bringing up in the novels and stuff were things that like the native community were like, wait, who told this guy that? (laughs) Hey man, (laughs) shut the f*** up. Uh, (laughs) Um, (laughs) But because of when they came out and the lack of representation at the time, they were also gigantic hits throughout the community. So everyone kind of knew them, even if it was slightly problematic. And so the TV show... Uh, kind of rectifies that by taking those and stories and giving it to an all native writers room and being like, here's the backbone, but now do what you you're guys do. actually tell the story. Fix it. <laughs> That's really interesting. That actually sounds. It the show still has questionable parts, yeah. but it's overall a lot better. And Zon McLaren is uh, like I I want to see him in so much more things. So that's awesome. worth it. Nice. Also learned some really interesting things about like the prey production off of one of the ones I was listening to. It it's super interesting when you actually start delving into some of this stuff. I so. do need to sit down and watch prey. I... It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> like maybe the second best Predator movie. Maybe after, the first after Predator One, I assume. Yeah. See, I don't really care for Predator. Then, if you already don't care for Predator, you might think it's the best Predator. Well, movie. easily. <laughs> <laughs> they do that good of a job with it. That's fair. So, it's really good. Uh, basically, I have, in fact, been going super indigenous myself in all of my listening and watching 
uh, recently. Okay. You've been kind of going that way for a little while. Not fully, but like leaning yeah. that direction. Hey, you like more. all my new stickers? <laughs> nice. Very nice. They're all indigenous, in case that's not clear, because again, we are in an audio format while we're recording here. <laughs> Don't ruin the magic. It's okay. Even podcasts that have been going for like 15 years, every once in a while, they're like, oh, oh, right. That's, um, you cannot see me. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I understand. Uh, that's what I got. Nice. Oh, and a little bit of Elden Ring since they dropped the news about the DLC. Ooh. Or some news about the DLC. Like, we're officially getting it. And an image that everyone's been obsessing over for the past week. I've seen so many red circles on that picture now oh at this point. I mean, so <laughs> many red circles on that picture. <laughs> but I mean, like, here's an Easter egg. Yeah. Kind of, okay. This means this. I'm like, no, it doesn't. This means this. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I see one more person try to claim that that's Merica and not Mikola on, the, on Torrent. I might throw something. <laughs> Gonna uninstall the game. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the clickbait of the internet. Guess how many of those are on f-ing screen rant? Um, All of them. <laughs> and I say this as a person who has fallen for many Star Trek screen rant clickbait articles since Picard season three came out. It's because I know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a science. McElboy, what about you? I uh, sadly got into World of Warcraft for the first time in my life now. Uh, You're only like 20 years late. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having fun. It's been a good time. I have played Mortuary Assistant, a really good horror game. I got through the first night. Uh, You're taking care of three dead bodies at night. One of them is possessed. Uh, The demon wants to possess you. You got to take care of the bodies, figure out which body it is, what the name of the demon is, burn the body, and then if you do it wrong, you're possessed, and if you do it right, you live another day and do it again the next night. Oh, okay. Yeah. That actually sounds pretty interesting. It's it's a cool story to it. It's a really fun concept. It seems that he pulled from actual mythos and like mm. uh, Catholic ideas and stuff. Okay. There's the, the, he, I think this is, I couldn't find any actual reference to this in my research, but he, he came up with like a, one of the banned books for the Bible. Mm. Um, and it talks about like how Satan made the three houses of hell. Uh, so it an, it's really interesting. Uh, so that's fun. Watch some horror movies. <laughs> or, we'll be talking about those in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Brad's Grimm's check it out. It's a good podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm, everything you've said has made me be like, I will never in my life watch this movie. Oh, no, you will not. <laughs> not this If time. anybody... Zach, let me let me t- break it down for you right now. If anybody in your life tells you that you should watch that movie, they do not care for you or your well-being. I have one friend that would still try to get me to do it, but he also knows that I would refuse anyways. So if they say murder and they it's either the American or French version, just don't watch it. Yeah, I was talking with your wife about this a little bit. <laughs> yeah, she watched it with me. <laughs> What else? What else? What else? Uh, I started, is it, I think it's Path of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. Uh, it's a fantasy series. Way of Kings. The Way of Kings. I, for a long time, I've been hesitant to get into his work. Is that the one with the shard blades? I think so. I'm only in the first chapter. Okay. Uh, if it is, I've read the first, like, third of the first book. And there's one character I really enjoy. And anytime I'm starting to get the flow going... They switch to a different character that I don't give a single solitary f- about, <laughs> and it kills any momentum. That is fair. Uh, I've long been told I would dig some Sanderson, but I've still never I've read any. I've picked up some of the Sanderson comic books that he helped write that I mean to check out. It He's supposed to be, like, the current kind of king of high fantasy. Yeah. 
He's very Mormon from my understanding. Like most of kings of high fantasy. Weird. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Sorry, anyways, you said you've been avoiding him? Any particular oh, reason why? Or? So I I probably, I don't know if I've said this in the podcast before, but my favorite fantasy series ever written is Wheel of Time. I personally think it's better than Lord of the Rings. Not that one age real weird. I don't, I've never read any Wheel of Time. Okay. I had a bunch of roommates that did. Uh, I've never read it either, so I'm just trying really to remember. It's really good. I um, know things about it through I'm osmosis, but. not saying you're wrong. Conan the Barbarian is my favorite <laughs> fantasy, so, like, I'm not claiming moral high ground no, no, you're when I say it aged weird. I was trying to think of anything that would have aged weird. Uh, I don't, it doesn't matter. I don't know. But, um. I mean, it's not uh, the land of Xanth. Books. So. Now those aged not weird, Poorly. actively terribly. <laughs> like they spoiled real quick. <laughs> ooh, even when I was a kid, I thought some of that was weird, and I thought back of it when I was like a year or two ago, and went, "Oh no, oh no." Sorry. Um, anyways, uh, oh, he finished the Wheel of Time stuff. Yes, because Robert Jordan died. Uh, mm-hmm. he, it was pretty divisive. His stuff, if I remember, it it was good. Okay, so I don't. There would be no author who could have picked up that series and finished it better than Brandon Sanderson. Um, but at that point, you're at the end of a book series that is in the double digits of how many books are in I was going to say, series. it's like 15 to 20. You're going to be used at that point to the original writer and his ideas. So it, no matter who picked it up, some people are just not going to like that because that's not what they got invested into. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but he did very well. Uh, I actually have learned to love those last couple books a lot. Um, and so recently I got into, I think we talked about this in the first crossover we did for Blade One. Uh, I got I read the Mistborn series with Brandon Sanderson, which was really good. Um, it's like a little, it's more than three books now, but originally it was just like a trilogy. It's really cool. Uh, metal is like superpowers. And so you ingest metal and you get a particular superpower for each metal you ingest. Sounds like Dark Knight's metal. Yeah. Mm. But... <laughs> Yeah, Except for yeah. less Barbados the Bat God. Yeah. But then I, I liked it. And so I was like, well, I'm tired of listening to Dresden. Uh, so I'm going to try this instead. So now I'm trying his actual main series that people keep recommending to me. And so far I'm in chapter one. It's really good. So yeah, that's what, that's what I've been just That's the, it's a guy on a battlefield that's like very desperately looking after his people. Yeah, kind of. Yep. He's the only character I care about. I hear. I need to, I need to try again. I hear it's supposed to be really good, so I'm kind of just... And I can do multiple story arcs, because Wheel of Time, Dune, but... (laughs) (laughs) It really just, like, again, if I'm being a little about this, it was people being like, it gets really good in the second or third book, and I'm, like, looking at this, like, 19-hour audio book being like... I don't want to. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I am a person who likes slower stuff. Like, I think this the second Dune book... I love the first Oh, we f- love Dune Messiah in yeah. this podcast. This I, is... The first book is amazing. It got me into that genre, hands down. I love the second book more. It just is up my alley more. And not saying that the first, like, it's not better than the first book, but in my personal taste, it's something I enjoy more than the first book. As, no, I think I agree with you. I think Dune, just as a book, is easily the best book of the series. Hands down. But the interesting, wild of world building, you and I have talked mm-hmm. about this a little bit, Tyler, really starts in Dune Messiah, and by the time you get to God Emperor of Dune, it's just brain-meltingly interesting. It's so, so fun. And I really bull- en- nonsense, but... <laughs> I really enjoy Messiah, although I will still contend that it should not be printed as its own book. It should just be 
tacked on to the end of Dune, and then Children should be the second book. But I'd be okay with that. Yep. And then you liked Children, if I remember. I children I is probably my favorite of the first four. I need to try. I mean, I just need to reread all of them. I've been meaning to for years. It's just an investment. Mm-hmm. Children was my least favorite, but I don't know. That's yeah. mm, Dune. It's so good. Love uh, it so much. And then after watching these horror movies, I had realized I haven't really been immersed in horror like I used to be. So it's rekindled my passion for just seeking out new and weird stuff in the horror genre. For good and for bad. (laughs) (laughs) And then Blade Trinity. And then Blade Trinity. And that's what I've been consuming. Nice. This isn't stuff I've been consuming, but I just realized that I did not finish Willow. I completely fell off that series, and I should sit down to finish it. It was good. I enjoyed it every time. But, like, the moment I broke the, um, like, broke the rhythm, I just didn't pick it up again. Weird. That show could not figure out what it wanted to be. That's the same thing I ran into. As soon as I broke the rhythm, I haven't been able to get back into it again. Although that does remind me, I had mentioned it to you yesterday, which is why I forgot to bring it up right now. I finally watched She-Hulk. Yeah! I really enjoyed it. It, It's good. It's It's fun. It... It's not groundbreaking. And some of... I feel like it gets in its own way a couple times. Like what? Just the just the pacing of it and stuff. No, and fair. the deciding... having What is it? Like an eight-episode season? And you still... I think there was still like two episodes that felt like filler to me. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but then... God... It picks up so much when Daredevil comes in, but not because Daredevil comes in. Although that is cool. That is cool, but because Charlie Cox and Tatiana Maslany have great chemistry together. And they're aware of it, too, which is part of the fun. Like, (laughs) in that... It's that line in the final episode of, I'm She-Hulk. I smash things. And sometimes Matt Murdock. And you're like, yeah, you (laughs) do. (laughs) And, like, She-Hulk's one of the few characters that probably won't fall into many of the pitfalls that uh, Matt's other girlfriends have. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not perfect. Um, I thought Jamila Jamil was a little bit underused. uh, She should have been used more. But there wasn't a single episode where I was like, this is bad, but the moment Matt Burnock shows up, and, I mean, it's the last, like, three episodes. Two episodes? I don't even remember. Two episodes. It outweighs everything that happened before to the point that I have to, like, struggle to remember what was going down other than wongers wongers is great wong (laughs) there's a rumor basically after that that wong is getting a strange academy good yeah i hope so wong has become one of my favorite characters in the mcu by a long strange academy is one of the best books marvel's put out in years we will be covering it on new byland yes (laughs) (laughs) more stuff to hate (laughs) yeah No. No, in a good way. <laughs> like a strange. <laughs> He's uh, not even a major character in that. Good. <laughs> Wong you is a... weird f- <laughs> God, I'm not supposed to swear in this one. I've done such oh, a bad job. It. We've done so much already. Oh my uh, God. I love Strange. He's I... one of my favorite characters. Uh, but I love to also hate on him because he deserves it. And yet, some reason, for some reason, you like Dr. Druid. He's amazing. <laughs> He's not. Wong is a better Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. Then either character I just mentioned. He didn't die by a hailstorm, get caught in fire, and put in a dumpster. So, you know. (laughs) 
Already Almost just get taped my rock star. I, I gave Mac that comic book today, I like my copy of it, so he's just, just so brimming happy. with excitement. It's going on my bookshelf as soon as I get home, right in the front next to Wheel of Time and Dune. I mean, I'm... <laughs> problematic favorites, the shelf. I'm bummed Stephen couldn't be here because of Dr. Druid reasons, so... Yeah. Uh, next time. Next time. Uh, yeah, so I just... Also, that the episode where... During the end credits, you get the little illustration of the dude's uh, superhero sneaker collection. Mm-hmm. And there's like a Wolverine one. There's and a, a, yeah, there was a bunch where I was like, that's the thing. That's Wolvie. That's, and I was like. <gasps> I remember a bunch of clickbait articles being like, this proves. And I'm like, shut the f- yeah, I agree. <laughs> Shut up, because it's obviously also all concept art that they're just like they're just playing. This is She-Hulk, yeah. but it was still amazing. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate that the final episode calls out <laughs> how ridiculous like ending plot lines tend to be for Marvel stuff. I appreciated that intellectually, but the way it actually played out kind of made that the finale also a little bit boring to actually watch. I disagree, but I understand why. And I admit that I could be uh, uh, biased because I was watching this with my wife and she was just tickled pink about the was, whole thing. I was in, I enjoyed everything that was said about it. Like mm-hmm. they were calling out this trope and that trope and why do they all have daddy issues and this and that. Like, <laughs> like that was great and I loved hearing it. But at the same time, I'm like, this is the finale of your show and you just walked over into that room for a little bit and talked and then skipped over a bunch of stuff because you magically retconned it. And now we're ending. That's fair. It's, it only works because of she Hulk's tendency to break the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah, that's basically it. Let's see. Um, I know I mentioned that we started the Star Trek next generation movies. We watched CC and I have just not had much free time lately. For whatever reason, we were like, we have time for one episode of one thing at night if we're not too worried about sleep for the last, like, three weeks. Um, But we did watch Star Trek Insurrection, which is the third of the four Star Trek Next Generation movies. And it's one of the ones that's, I mean, only First Contact is considered good of those four. They're all fun. And honestly, Next Gen was not as good as I remember. And of the three that we've watched so far, the other two are better than I expected them to be. Insurrection is a strange movie because it is tonally very, like, it's a very serious plot line switched with a bunch of, like, tonally odd jokes of all of the characters behaving kind of like lunatics. Because... Uh, the the TLDR plotline of this is the Enterprise goes to this planet and finds out that the Federation mixed with the, this other alien group that do not matter for the sake of this are forcibly relocating people off of this planet that they're living on because, or a corrupt part of the Federation, not just the Federation, because it turns out that this planet has something that, like, Heals you, lets you live forever, makes you act like you're younger kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Anti-aging planet. 
and there's only 200 people living on the planet, so they're being forcibly relocated for various reasons, mostly of like, well, with this, if we took this planet and did whatever MacGuffin stuff we did with it, people would, like, we could double the lifespan of everyone in the galaxy. Like, yay. But the crew of the Enterprise is like, you can't do this. This is, these 200 people have the right to live here, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so as I said, really serious storyline, but it's mixed with all of the characters being weird and horny and angry because really they're horny. in the puberty planet, basically. And there's running jokes of, like, Worf is getting zits again for the first time in a long time. And also, because he's a Klingon, the, like, Klingon puberty is mostly just being pissed off. I could see that. Yeah, it's a Klingon. Yeah, uh, uh, Riker and Troy, who have been, oh like, Oh, my God, not... I want Klingon big mouth. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be murder. <laughs> and hardcore More sense. murder. <laughs> um... Riker and All Tro- I can think of is what happened to Garrison Keeler. Sorry, that's a deep cut reference, but... Oh, no. <laughs> I loved Garrison Keeler as a kid, but he, things got dark with him. Riker and Troy, who have had, like, unspoken chemistry or, like, talked about a lot but not acted on chemistry since the very first episode of Next Gen. Yeah. Um, basically immediately get naked and happy. Um, I wonder what his doppelganger thinks of that. Also, lower Tom decks. Tom might be crew. dead by that point. <laughs> You're probably right. Lower decks crew needs to stop by Puberty Planet. They do not, but they should. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would actually be fun to see some interaction stuff after we saw some first contact stuff. It's a really fun movie. It's just tonally bizarre, from like standing up against the Federation to stop the forced relocation of people with some obvious like. Not direct Trail of Tears parallels, but any kind of, like, turns out forced relocation is bad. Who would have thought? With, like, horny jokes and bizarre... All of it was pretty good, except for one scene where, like, Riker's, like, flying the Enterprise, doing cool stuff, and then it's, like, time for one special move, and he activates some special computer thing and literally a joystick like rises from the like floor and he's piloting the entire enterprise with a joystick and one like clicky red button. And it's clearly the joystick that you could buy at Best Buy for like 1995 in 1995. Like the one that I was using to play X-Wing. Yes. I think I owned this model of joystick. Like, (laughs) and Everything up until that point, I'm like, all right, this is over the top, but it's fun. And then just literally that happened. I just went, no, no, we're done. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and let's see what else, uh, a Kickstarter I backed arrived. It is a comic called impossible Jones, which is written by a guy named Carl Kessel, who is probably best known for his run. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Star Wars reference for those of you. But uh, Carl odds? Kessel is a comic book writer, probably best known for a heavily involved Superman run, included being involved in the strange Superman blue era where Superman gets electricity powers. Sweet. Don't worry about it. I'm not. Um, and I know he, exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> good costume. Bad for Superman. Yes. Uh, good costume, though. I'll agree. Wrote the first... Maybe a better Blue Marvel costume. Oh, that'd be a great Blue Marvel costume. Wrote the first 
Superboy series, and he wrote the first um, Harley Quinn solo series. Mm, okay. Great series. Really kind of defined Harley Quinn as a character beyond the Joker for the first time. And he described it in Possible Jones as he woke up one morning and he's like, and I had two things. One, I knew exactly how I would write a Plastic Man series. And two, I really missed Har- writing Harley Quinn that morning. All right. And so he combined those two things to create this character, Impossible Jones, who is a woman with kind of plastic man powers, so stretchy body transformation powers, a little more complicated than Plaz, but not as. And she is a thief who's given superhero powers, and people think she's a hero when they first meet her. So she goes, sure. Yeah, okay. Where's your wallet? Totally a superhero. And she will do stuff like uh, capture the thing that's being stolen and uh, turn it in for the finder's fee. But take that, like, 10% finder's fee. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, oh, she's fighting the one of the ongoing villains is kind of another Harley Quinnish character named Holly Days, who is basically a Harley Quinn with a Christmas theme. Okay. She was a follower of Krampus. Um, Yeah, it's goofy, but it's fun. And she'll stop Holly Days, but Holly Days just happens to get away. And, oh, Holly must have gotten away with the rare Fabergé egg or whatever. And then she, like, keeps it and pawns it off later on. Mm. So, like, she helps save the world, but the entire time she's looking for stuff she can steal. Okay. The whole time. You like it's, pay rent. I don't yeah, know. It, it it's kind of an interesting like she's not good, but she's not evil by any stretch of the imagination. Like it's neutral. Yeah. It's it's a fun fine line to play on. Um That's cool. That's fun. Yeah, I really enjoy it. I know it is available on Amazon. I don't know how many places it's available. Like I, I tend to try not to be like, I've read this thing that you absolutely cannot buy unless you back this one specific Kickstarter. But I don't think impossible Jones is, it's not impossible to uh, access, but it's not <laughs> that easy either. Okay. Uh, and then finally, I have started a podcast called the oldest stories that tells the stories and the history of the ancient Sumerian people. Ooh. Okay. So like it covers through, you know, um, the, you the know, legend of the, the ancient Biden. Sumerians called him Dagon. Yeah. We're going to get into that. <laughs> I promise you. But like it, it covers like Gilgamesh and the, the, you know, literal rise of civilization in the Levant and the Sumerian period and the rise of the Akkadian empire and the Neo Sumerian period. And I stopped listening after that, though I'm going to come back to it because I got kind of sad because at the end of the earth three period, the first civilization on earth no longer matters as a people. Like, ancient Near East civilizations will continue for another 2,000 years, up through the Achaemenid Persian Empire. But the Sumerians, the founders of the first cities, the creators of the first known form of writing, are done after that. And, like, the stuff that's coming up is still really cool, but I just got kind of sad. That's <laughs> so fair. Like, that's fair. 4,000 years of civilization predating writing, predating pants. Um, <laughs> predating most anything <laughs> just done and I was like oh I'm gonna go listen to my murder podcast now 
without pants. With, well, <laughs> I'm at work a lot of the time, so with <laughs> pants, but I'm grumpy about it. <laughs> I did see this thing of pants were invented 2,000 years ago or something. I mean, it's more than that. Like, yeah. pants were invented like 3,000 years ago for the first time, but there's evolution or uh, uh, signs of a flute. They say 6,000 years ago, but it's really like 6,000 BC. So it's 8,000 years ago, which means there was like a four to 6,000 year period where we had music, but we didn't have pants, which kind of sounds like the dream. Yeah. I'm down. Mostly because for a lot of that period, we were wearing animal skins and it's a lot easier just to make yeah. a skirt. It's true. Wraps and stuff. Pants are a pain in the butt. They like, really are. As someone who sometimes wears a kilt. I mean, I made a couple of skirts, and at first I was like, I'm just battling toxic masculinity, and I don't know if I really want these. And, like, they're the only thing I wear on my days off pretty much anymore. Like, I don't blame you. I need to get more kilts. <laughs> they're so comfortable. I do need a, like, proper kilt. Um, We have a couple of trailers. Not much to say on most of them. They're kind of mood trailers more than anything else. Right. Let's uh, Ted Lasso, I guess, to start. Ted Lasso? Looks, I mean, I trust Ted Lasso. I trust Ted Lasso. It was more of a mood trailer than anything. I suppose the ongoing theme was something throughout the trailer was something we kind of knew what was going to happen anyway, where it's going to be the rivalry between Nate and Ted. The Ted does not seem to be feeling at all. Right. Well, not just the rivalry, but probably the redemption arc that they're going to try to. There's still the ongoing debate. CC thinks he's almost going to get it redeemed and then die. And I'm like, well, that. Feels out of line for Ted Lasso, but maybe we'll buy you dinner if the the rule is because it's between Grizz, Cece, and myself. If Nate doesn't get redeemed, we have to buy Grizz dinner. If Nate almost gets redeemed but dies, the other two of us have to buy Cece dinner. And if Grizz gets re- or not Grizz, if Grizz gets redeemed, <laughs> my roommate that was on our episodes, if um, if Nate does get redeemed, they have to buy me dinner, which is. The safest bet I have possibly ever made in my life. And either way, it's really just the three of us want to go to James Bar and have dinner one night. Like Which is a fan. Yeah. No, like, <laughs> I'm, look, I'm I'm all up for seeing the Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. You're very proud of that every time you every say Every time. <laughs> every time. Oh, Salmando season three, episode one. Oh, yeah, same. Same. It's really good. It, it's actually better than the season two later half, in my opinion. I'm one of those... So there's been a lot of talk about this online. I'm definitely falling into the camp of, I enjoyed it, but it feels like a major, major step down after watching Andor. I don't dis... I don't dislike it by any means, but I... Things felt very clunky after... See, I didn't feel clunky. I didn't find I didn't find myself comparing it to Andor. You didn't you didn't find it clunky that like every line of dialogue somebody is saying somebody else's full name. It's weird. <laughs> That's fair. They need to tighten some of that up. But I don't know. Like it just felt like a different enough style of television to me, even though they're both Star Wars, that I didn't find myself like super feeling like they were competing. Right. And it is, it is a little bit of apples to oranges, which is part of the reason why I think I still enjoy it. But, and like, I'm looking forward to seeing the next episode and the rest of the season and where it goes. But I'm, was also kind of sitting there like, 
you guys just put out like the best Star Wars in like 40 years. Also, Andor is really good, but the first four episodes of it are so slow. And it, 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 I get that they're building tension and yada, 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 but I appreciate that they don't give a f about that in this one. And they're like, we're having fun in Star Wars now. Well, the, to me, the ceremony was a pretty fun fake out though. Cause I thought it was a flashback. Oh, we were all certain that was baby Din. I thought that was baby Din. I didn't think, just think that was baby Din. I was going to be like, oh wait. So he never actually completed his oath loophole and then din shows up and i'm like nope no loophole <laughs> looks like he's got to go i appreciate that bo katan was like you are in a cult i had appreciated that <laughs> like, too <laughs> your people fractured are people i'm my version of bo katan i am wrong in most things but i am right that you are in a cult and it does not matter they're stupid rules <laughs> go purify yourself in the later waters of lake minnetonka if you have to but <laughs> Anyways, uh, Ted Lasso. I mean, I'm I'm all in. I was already all in. I didn't have to see a trailer. It made me happy to see these characters. But yeah, it's a mood. It's a mood trailer. It's just, hey, look, here's people you care about by this point. And Jamie Tart. <laughs> Jamie Tart. Do, do, do. There's nothing wrong with Jamie Tart. He's just the character I find probably least interesting of them. And as we've discussed many times on the show, there always has to be the least interesting. I mean, obviously Rupert's worse, but yeah, Rupert's you're worse. not supposed to like Rupert. Like Rupert is supposed to be like, Oh, you garbage human. I don't remember. Have you watched Ted Lasso? You and I watched, I think the first three or four episodes of season one. Oh, okay. Jamie. Talk. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I think that was when I forget what we were doing. I think we we're probably building weapons. <laughs> yeah, if you came over to my house, we were probably watching TV and doing Bellegarde foam, stuff. Foam like, this is not real. Just... <laughs> I should probably clarify. I am buying a forge within the next like Heck nine yeah. months, so I can start making knives. So, That's like, fun. honestly, it could go either way. I've, I miss doing that too. One but... of the summer projects is setting up the axe throwing area and fixing the archery because I live in the boonies, which means we can do stuff like that. <laughs> it's awesome. I miss doing stuff like that. <laughs> And then the other big one we watched was the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Mutant Mayhem trailer. We have talked about this being made before, I know, but we've only kind of talked about it in the periphery more than anything else. Looks fun. I really think I'm interested in, in a way that I was not yesterday. I'm excited to see a group of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that are acting like teenagers. That was the thing I noticed down to the voice actors who are actually teenagers, if I remember. Yep. Like, they feel like teens for the first time ever, which has been an ongoing problem with the Ninja Turtles ever since the very first issue by Eastman and Laird. They don't... They seem like late 20-somethings. Yeah. Most of the time. Especially because they let the characters age up after a while in a lot of cases, and they're clearly, you know, mid... There's some Ninja Turtle comics where they're, like, 40. Mm-hmm. It's weird. 
It's not very good either, but that's its own thing. Teenage Mutant Middle-Aged Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> really, you're going to leave in the teenage and take out the ninja in your version of I, that song. Yeah, I screwed that one up. But they're I no do, ninjas if they're middle-aged. <laughs> yeah. I do have the voice cast because it is stacked. Yeah. So just to, to give the turtles their due, those uh, new up-and-comers, I don't know if they've done other things because I don't have credits in front of me. I just have names. It's... Uh, Micah Abbey, Shimon Brown Jr., Nicholas Cantu, and Brady Noon will be, respectively, Donatello, Michelangelo, Leonardo, and Raphael. I really thought they were... I mean, we only saw moments of them. I thought they did a really good job in that, though. I agree. The rest of this cast is blowing my mind, partially just because of some of the characters that are also going to show up. We have Hannibal Burris showing up as Genghis Frog. I don't even like there's some of these that I don't even really know who they are. Uh, Rose Byrne is Leatherhead. John, <laughs> John Cena is Rocksteady. Do the next part. Yeah. <laughs> Seth Rogen is Bebop. God, that's such brilliant casting. <laughs> and before Peacemaker or I guess before the Suicide Squad, I've been like, eh, whatever, John Cena. But no, that man's comedic timing is amazing. So, so good. You watch did we watch together the outtake reel? Where he's just riffing remember. on set and getting everyone to just crack up. I don't remember, but we're gonna before I leave today. It's um. so good. <laughs> Ice Cube is Superfly. Natasia Dimitrio as Wingnut. Ao Adibri is April O'Neil, which I love Ao. She uh, is on Big Mouth since we brought it up earlier. I don't know Ao, but she was good in the like two lines she got in the trailer. Giancarlo Esposito is Baxter Stockman. <laughs> it is the most brilliant casting I've seen in a long time. Uh, I had the toy of this character, so I'm super excited to see Post Malone as Ray Filet. Heck yeah. I don't remember Ray Filet. I remember reading through the list and being like, good actor, good actor. Post Malone. Really? Good for him. <laughs> and I don't hate Post Malone. I know a lot of people do, but like, I, I don't liked... know why. He always He seems like a fun guy. Yeah. I think it's because he looks like a doofus. He does look like a doofus. (laughs) He looks like a guy who is probably a lot of fun to have at a party, but you're not having the deepest conversation with him. Mm -hmm. He's also a nerd. Yes. Who makes fun, goofy music and looks always... He's kind of like Ringo Starr, who also gets a lot of hell, of being like, look at what my life is, man. Like, what's (laughs) happening right now? (laughs) I wrote a song about an octopus. (laughs) (laughs) Of course he did. One of my favorite Beatles songs. What a cutie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Paul Rudd is Mondo Gecko. Maya Rudolph as Cynthia Ultram? Ultram? I don't know that character. Ultron? I assume it's going to have something to do with the Ultrams who are the uh, brain people like Krang. Mm-hmm. And, oh. I was about to say and, but I think I went just went through it all, so. Isn't Jackie Chan like... Oh, Jackie Chan as um, Splinter. Splinter. Yeah. And we awesome. don't see any sign of Shredder in this or anything. I have. I didn't see anything. I didn't see nope. anything. They're, it sounds like they're going with more of the, the mutants side as opposed to Shredder or the Ultrams. If it so. does well, then they could do a sequel with Shredder. That'd be great. We don't need to rush into Shredder. We see Shredder like every time. Exactly. I'm, I'm fine if we don't see him this time. The... Um, Part of the reason of that is because the Ultrons are not very exciting. As right. fun as Krang is as a toy. Um, I mean, you could just do the dynamics of the team for the first movie because they're so young. 
just learning how to be a team with some no-name bad guy. Exactly. That's yeah. what I, th I think it's a pretty smart move. The animation style is very across the Spider-Verse, or, yeah. In it's spider very Spider-Verse yeah. uh, stylized. Yeah, it's very close. Of, I don't know how to describe the differences. There's definitely differences, but it's it's in that vein in a big, bad way. Yeah. Which, great, that has been my favorite animated movie of the last ten years, at least, so... I heard that they're trying to make a Batman Beyond movie that they're hoping will be their Into the Spider-Verse. And I'm having to, like, shut my, down the part of my brain that's like, you can't do that without Kevin Conroy and Will Friedel. I mean... You can. I'm. That's just, like... <laughs> I'm not gonna argue. That's very specific <laughs> to me. And part of that is I somehow ended up watching... I guess this isn't ingesting. I somehow spent like an hour watching Boy Meets World's clips, mm. which is and weird because Boy I never Meets watched World. Boy Meets World as a kid. But mm. it turns out I'm just a big fan of the comic timing of Will Friedel He's good. in live action. I've only really ever seen him in, not even seen him, just heard his voice in animated stuff. Yeah, I've seen that entire series more than once. Turns <laughs> out Will Friedel's character is the only part of that show I care about. There's some really fun, really bad continuity in that show, too. Oh, yeah. Don't even. <laughs> really bad continuity in that show. But, yeah. No, I I love him because of Boy Meets World first and then went on to other things. So, mm -hmm. um, I was just going to say that it's more, I feel like those rumors are extremely specious considering I feel like Gunn would have brought that up alongside everything else. Yeah, who knows what's happening on that front. More power to it. We've been getting rumors of a Batman Beyond f something for years. People keep being like, Michael Keaton. Whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, cool, but whatever. I'll be here when it's made. If it's made, I'll watch it. Or I'll just watch classic Batman Beyond, which holds up as one of the best superhero cartoons ever made. Do we have anything else? No, nope, I think we're pretty much... We watched it. a couple other trailers, but it wasn't super us stuff. The Tetris, Tetris kind of fun. Yeah. Better than I thought. It's about the creation of Tetris, not about... Playing Tetris? They're not battleshipping <laughs> this. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, they made a battleship movie. Yeah, I Liam know. Neeson was in it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I remember. Liam Neeson does not want you to remember that. I had successfully forgotten until you mentioned That <laughs> <laughs> Taron Egerton looks great. Right. I couldn't realize that was Taron Egerton for a while, so good job him. Looks like political intrigue. Yeah. Which is wild for Tetris, but... Uh, I mean, yeah. There is a really good story there, so I understand completely why they're doing it. Yeah. I actively did not want to watch the trailer, and it was slowly winning me over, so, like, good for it. Yeah. And you came in halfway through us watching the History of the World Part Two trailer. Yeah. Which also looks fun. Looks fun. Looks better than I thought it would, considering History of the World Part One is already really low on my Mel Brooks list, so... History of the World Part 1 runs the danger of pretty much any kind of, like, variety show. Because, I mean, that's basically what it is, is yeah. different bits. Yeah. Um, some of them are really good. Some of them are extremely forgettable. And because it's not done across multiple episodes, but the original is a movie, it goes on about half an hour longer than I wanted to. Even though the ending is really strong. It's just there's always, like, a middle point. I'm like, ugh, for the love of God. 
There is one other thing, I guess, before we move on to actually talking about Blade Trinity, which we will do in a second. There's one thing I didn't quite, I guess I ingested because I was watching a show. Oh, it was a live podcast, but just an accomplishment for myself <laughs> that happened uh, this past Tuesday that I have just been riding high on all week. And I have been waiting for our nerdy show to bring it up. I made Kevin Smith laugh this week. Oh, yeah. What? They, they, uh, the Fat Man Beyond podcast. Did um, a live episode. Well, they always, whenever they aren't recording it in the bar that they normally do, the uh, Scum and Villainy Cantina down in LA, mm-hmm. whenever they're having to do like a Zoom episode, they broadcast it live on YouTube. And Kev reads the comments mm-hmm. while they're going. And so this one they were talking about uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And giving, like, their opinions of it and stuff. And uh, every time during these episodes, like, the the chat will end up going off on their own tangent. And, like, Kev every once in a while will, like, look down and, like, laugh at what the chat's doing. And so this time they happen to be uh, playing with throwing Kang into movie titles. Okay. Which one did you come up with? Stop making sense. I quit the show. (laughs) (laughs) You're hired. (laughs) And so I, I get my name shouted out on the up and coming, uh, drop of fat man beyond. Congratulations. And I got to make one of my heroes laugh. No, that is pretty good. I I, I enjoyed that. All right. On that, I guess proud moment. <laughs> Sorry, that came out meaner than I meant it to. Uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about a movie that is not a proud moment. I mean, no. <laughs> All right, guys, Blade Trinity. So I haven't seen this mo- other than last night, where I paid three dollars for this movie and was actively unhappy about that fact. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie since it came out in theaters. Which was in 2004. Apparently that was 19 years ago that I watched this movie. That aged me into dust when I thought about that. Um, (laughs) I was nine. 2023, man. Uh, But the thing I remember most vividly, because we were 16 years old and we were, you know, a bunch of little jerks. We were at the point in time where we were going to the movies a lot, but we couldn't afford concessions because concessions have always been stupid expensive. So me and my two friends all snuck... Coca-Cola into the theater, but because we were idiots, we snuck them in in can form. Oh, no. (laughs) And so the opening starts. (laughs) But no, we were dumber because we were like, we'll do it slowly so it's less loud. But that's not how it works. So like, blade moment, and then it swaps to like Wesley Snipes, and you just hear, (laughs) we all like, pause and no one comes gets us and like other thing blah 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 (laughs) and that is my most vivid memory of this that and you're gonna have to basically bleep out this entire bit we used juggling thunder thunder is the only word you can use out of that (laughs) yeah they'll figure it out they'll figure it out if they watch the movie though though a lot (laughs) 
for the next like two years. Absolutely. Like, 100%. Some uh, of those insults I've never heard before in my life. And I was like, I got to write these down. Some of them are legitimately really so good. good. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Now, so, real quick, the, the opening, the, the cans in the theater does remind me of my most vivid memory of going and seeing uh, the two towers in the theater where the guy <laughs> sitting next to me in the crowded theater, as soon as it starts, like, Two tall boys come out. <laughs> just, <It's> just <laughs> the fact that we couldn't even do it in like not only did we do it in the longest way possible, we couldn't do it simultaneously. So it's straight up. <laughs> um, but see, also, really quick, it also reminded me of one other thing on the anecdote of concessions always being really expensive. This is the thing that makes me sound way, way older than I actually am, and it's more due to the fact that I grew up going to an extremely small-town theater where we would get movies three months late. The concessions weren't as expensive? I used to be able to go to a movie, get a medium soda, and a large popcorn when I was a child for $5. You can't even get a medium soda for 5 bucks anymore. <laughs> Again, Mac, it's an it's an audio format. You actually have to make the 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 sounds to mimic your shocked motions that you're doing here. Um, yeah, right. Oh. Uh, I have mentioned this before. CC and I learned because for a while there, before COVID hit, the only time we were going to the movie theater was for Star Wars movies, mm -hmm. and we would always dress up as Jedi. But part of the reason why is we learned that if you bought box wine took the bag out of the box, you can hide it extremely well hey. in the Jedi robes. Hey. <laughs> and we'd get wine drunk and watch Star Wars movies in the theaters. That's amazing. It's a great time. Yeah. Now we just bought the giant projector screen that is eight feet wide okay. and have a semi-decent, I mean, we're going to get better speakers, but semi-decent speakers. And it's not the same as watching it on a full screen, whatever, but it's uh, a lot closer than you were before. God, it's cool. God is so nice. That's awesome. I can I can say that I have seen it sooner than uh, when it was in theaters, considering when you called me up last night being like, where did you watch this? I was like, well, I have the DVD. <laughs> That's the other thing that almost messed us up. I've been putting off watching this movie until I was sure we were recording. Because sure we were, big air quotes yeah sure as, so we, as close we as we can get to sure we were recording yeah. when it was over a 50 50 chance I watched the movie but um because I didn't with Blade two and being like God I watched this two weeks ago what happened um I just didn't enjoy that so but in between when we watched Blade two and watched this they took it off of Tubi and it's not currently streaming on anything. Unless you pay for it. So I had to rent it off YouTube. Same. And didn't know that at first. So when at first I was like calling up Tyler being like, where are you watching this? They're like, I have it on DVD. It's like, if I can't find this tonight, you two are just doing the episode without me. We're done with this. Like, <laughs> We're cutting it. <laughs> and then I found it. And I enjoyed it more than I expected I would. Same. I think here's what happened. When I went in at 16 and Blade 2 was like my favorite movie of all time at that point because Little Edgelord in 2004, <laughs> um, I thought Blade Trinity was going to be awesome and I tried to force it to be awesome and it just didn't work because it's not. It is objectively not a good movie. But when I went in going like, this is a bad movie, 
just find things that you like about it. I successfully found a bunch of things that I enjoyed about it. Good. We will make fun of a lot of stuff, All including of but not limited to Dominic Purcell in the worst role I have ever seen him do. Yeah. Honestly, though, I haven't seen him in much things outside. Yeah, it's basically this and Heatwave and Legends, but I really like him as Heatwave, so, you know. He's supposed to be really good in Prison Break, but I never watched I Prison really Break. I really care about Prison Break. Like, him and, um... Wentworth Miller. Wentworth Miller are supposed to be the saving graces, really, of Prison Break, but... Well, they're the main two characters, so I would mm-hmm. hope so. And yeah. honestly, Wentworth Miller was so good as... Captain Cold, that, like, I'm kind of now debating going back and watching Prison Break just to watch those Well, and he did quit being Captain Cold to go back to Prison Break. Mm -hmm. And uh, various other reasons of stuff going on in his life, but... Anyways. Uh, We have mentioned some of the cast. Should I just round it out real quick? Because I have it in front of me. Yeah, because it's a weirdly star-studded cast. Leslie Snipes, of course, is back as Blade. Didn't want to (laughs) be. You can tell. Chris Christopherson back as Whistler. Not sure why, but we'll get into that. He had a whole five minutes. Uh, Jessica Biel as Abigail Whistler. Spoilers. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Did we mention that we're doing spoilers? We're doing spoilers. Spoiler alert. Ryan Reynolds as Hannibal King. I was thinking about, for some reason I thought he was playing Frank Drake. Uh, either way, he's about as far from either character as possible. We did read something with Hannibal King. We read the um, the Vampiric Versus. The, yes. Or Montessai Formula. Yes. Either one. When... We've come across him a few times, mm-hmm. and in none of those instances was he this. No. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds proved in this movie that he could play Ryan Reynolds really well. Hey, but Reynolds? this was the first time he played Ryan Reynolds in an action movie. I was looking this up. Before this, he had pretty much done... He'd done a few small things, but it was like... It was like two guys are rolling a pizza place. And Van Wilder the year before. Which I loved Van Wilder, but I'm pretty sure I can never watch that movie again if I want any affectionate feeling towards it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We already mentioned Dominic Purcell as Dracula. Sex comedy from 2003. Like... Sweet. Or Drake in the modern day. We will get into how angry I am about everything involved in that. Uh, Parker Posey as Danica Talos. Mm-hmm. Callum Keith Rennie as Asher Talos, who I completely forgot was in this movie. He has a big part in Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the other forgettable vampires? Yeah. Okay. The brother, right? Yeah, yeah. He's the... The other dog guy. Yeah. The vampire <laughs> as the Pomeranium? Yeah. The blood... <laughs> The blonde white guy that isn't Triple H. Yep, that's the one. Okay, we're on the same place. <laughs> Triple H is Jarko Grimwood. <laughs> Speaking of which. Uh, His the, name is Jarko Grimwood? Jarko Grimwood. You know, he's probably the most <sighs> character in that movie. Oh I'm not my gonna god. Lie. <laughs> you broke my hand. Everything about this movie. <laughs> Natasha Leone is Summerfield. Uh, Haley Page as Zoe, Mark Berry as Chief Martin Freed, John Michael Higgins as Dr. Edgar Vance, which that also blew my mind. Completely forgot he was in it. Mm. Uh, Patton Oswald as Hedges. <laughs> James Remar as FBI agent Ray Cumberland. Uh, Michael Anthony Rollins as FBI agent Wilson Hale. Christopher Hairdall as Calder. Um, everyone else is pretty... I mean, I could go through their names, but it's all pretty little parts for mm-hmm. the most part. It's like the, all the hanger-on vampires. This is a weirdly star-studded cast on a B-level 
or a B movie level cast, Oof. like a bunch of B movie people who tend to make fun movies. Yeah. That did not make a fun movie that by my understanding, not a single person enjoyed making this movie. Yeah, for a lot of reasons. I, I do know some of the... I didn't go as deep as I did for uh, Blade 2 mm-hmm. on this one, but I can clear up some of what happened behind sure. the scenes. Well, okay, first of all, who's the guy that wrote it? Um, I'm you mean writer-director yes. David Goyer? David S. Goyer, who I looked it up, and I know we've talked about this before. That man wrote the Blade tr- trilogy, the Dark Knight trilogy, Man of Steel... And Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Yes. I believe he was also the one who at one point was quoted uh, in the entertainment rags as saying, uh, you shouldn't throw the Martian part onto Martian Manhunter. And was also the one that said uh, She-Hulk should hook up with Hulk. Yeah, wasn't it like basically she's like a green porn star or something? Something like like that. Yeah, he said some weird (laughs) Um, But. Okay. Yeah. For real. Uh, I just am blown away that you can do Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, which are the two best Batman movies. Really good. Honestly, if you... And then Dawn of Justice. Like, how did you just veer that hard? Here's the thing. Rewatching the the Blade trilogy and realizing that this was all written by David S. Goyer makes the weird plot jumps in the dark night that we all overlook because of Heath Ledger's performance makes sense. That's fair. It's just also like the tonal wildness between blade, blade two and blade Trinity is somehow weirder when you know that it's all made by the same, not all made by the same guy, but all written by the same guy. I mean, and Yarmo del Toro helped with this movie. He didn't direct it, but he did some of the pre-production stuff with them. Well, so that goes kind of into how Goyer ended up directing this one in the first place and where things started to go really downhill. Originally, Guillermo was signed on mm-hmm. or was going to direct, and then that's when he got the for sure that he was going to be the director on Hellboy. Which obviously you take. And he's like, you guys, you guys know who I am, right? Like, <laughs> I am dropping this so quickly to go do Hellboy. Especially yeah. Yarmo, who will drop anything. <laughs> <laughs> That We're man done. will sign up for 80 projects and make two of them. Yes. Um, what's the guy's name? Let me look at At the time, though, actually taking Hellboy was kind of... Dropping Blade Trinity, which is the third in a, like, established popular movie series. Not wildly popular, but, like, pretty big comeback popular. To go do Hellboy that no one had ever heard of, that was a risk. It was a risk that paid off. Hellboy's yeah. one of my all-time favorite superhero movies. I'd but also imagine he didn't... From what you we discussed about the second movie, he probably didn't really enjoy making it as much as he could have, and so he's probably like, "New movie where I can do my own thing, or I'm stuck on this. I'm just gonna right because he was movie. he has a lot more say over what happened with Hellboy. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's just I'm just gonna take that to be more fun for me rather than being like I have to adapt another one of this man's scripts. Yeah. He seems to like Goyer though. Like from what I can tell, they're at least friendly with each other. I mean, he, he helped out with stuff, and he he definitely seems friendly with him. He does. Uh, from the commentary, he does co- uh, commend Goyer's pacing because he does point out in the commentary of Blade Two, he's like, if this movie, if I would have had my way with this movie, it would have had half as many action sequences and would have been an entire hour longer. Which is why I like his filming. 
but <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, Blade Two was four action movies with the with, with half a plot. We've talked about it. We don't need to go into. <laughs> no, we're good. You can listen to our other episode. <laughs> After Del Toro dropped out, the German. I wanted to make sure I got the his name German. right. The German director Oliver Hirschbeigel. Hirschbeigel wanted I love German so much. Wanted to direct this movie so badly that he was trying to get out of his contract to direct the movie Downfall. What? I don't know the movie. The Downfall. acclaimed World War II drama Downfall. Uh, Is that pro- the one with Hitler yelling in the bunker? Oh my God. That guy tried to get out of his contract of doing that to do this and has subsequently been like, I regret trying to get out of that movie. Yeah, that's like Will Smith turning down The Matrix to do Wild Wild West. <laughs> Look how that turned out. <laughs> that's when they were, I think this was one of those ones where they already had kind of a release date planned out, so they kind of had to be like, well, if we're not getting him, we have to get somebody to direct. Let's and, go, go, go! And so Goyer stepped into that position. He'd never directed before at that point. Um, or if he did, it was like one movie. He, originally, the Abigail Whistler part was supposed to be Rachel Van Helsing. Interesting. But then he heard about the movie Van Helsing. And decided not to do that. That makes sense. That timing is poor. It was a weird time for movies. Yeah. They almost crossed over with the Underworld franchise. It couldn't have gotten any worse. (laughs) (laughs) It was planned, and then Marvel got the rights back. I'm sorry, that's not important. (laughs) Um, And then, let me see. Colin Farrell actually turned down the role of Hannibal King. That's fair. He had done Daredevil not long before this, so I think he was a little... Done. And I don't know why he didn't end up being in the part, but Jarko Grimwood, instead of being played by Triple H, was supposed to be played by a different wrestler, uh, Edge, whose gimmick was based off of the first Blade movie. Uh, <laughs> Edge, when he appeared in the WWF, as it was at the time, but it was bef- you know pre-WWE. Before the Worldwide was, Conservation Foundation or something like yeah, that? Was... Uh, one of the members of Gangrel's brood and their whole thing was like, they were all vampires and stuff. So edge blade. (sighs) So it was supposed to be stunt casting. Like this guy got famous because of blade. So we're going to put him in blade. And then he didn't end up being in it. And so they grabbed triple H instead. Who apparently uh, Goyer didn't want originally, but met him and was like, Oh, he's kind of funny and self-effacing. I'm going to make his role bigger. But once, once Goyer was in charge of things, and Leslie Snipes threw and a hissy fit to end all hissy fits. Not just Snipes, uh, Snipes and Christofferson both hated the production of this movie. They both hated the script and thought it was a very thinly veiled attempt to slowly write them out so that they could t- uh, make their own Blade verse using the characters of Hannibal King and Abigail Whistler. There was definitely potential interest in expanding into uh, a movie of those two. So that... Uh, Plus, uh, I know... I can't remember how it all ended up working out. I'm pretty sure... Because there was two different rounds of lawsuits where Wesley actually ended up uh, suing New Line Cinema. And then they sued him. Yeah, they sued him uh, as well. But... He he didn't want Goyer to direct, mm-hmm. 
And he was actually supposed to have a say in that due to the way his contract was laid out and the fact that he was one of the producers. So when they sort of overruled him to sort of make this movie happen and then underwrote his part and like were kind of like writing out him and this guy that he's become good friends with over the course of production, he suddenly kind of just went and hung out in his trailer the entire time with just rolling clouds of weed smoke billowing out. Uh, out <laughs> would just call Goyer a racist, just like passing him in the hallway, and at a certain point in production started only communicating with him through post-it notes that he would actually sign as Blade. Blade. Also, I'm pretty sure I heard that he repeatedly kept calling... Um, uh, Ryan Reynolds Cracker. Ryan Reynolds Cracker, yeah. It's whatever, but... <laughs> okay, so, like, I understand he was getting kind of screwed by this production, but also he was such a giant man-baby taking it out on everyone who did not deserve it that I don't have much sympathy for no, it. No, I don't either. He probably didn't have to be that big of a diva about it, but also, like, I kind of get it I... because he is... And at that point was very much Blade. Yes. Also, three years later, he went to prison for tax, tax evasion. <laughs> and he tried the sovereign citizen defense. I didn't know that. I found that out last night, which is like, you can't tax an individual of the... I, I, I can't explain sovereign citizenship because it doesn't... Neither can Make sense. <laughs> yeah. It is... I'm not beholden to your rules and your rules say so. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Anyways, I'm going to call the police when I need them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take over the Malakir Wildlife Refuge. Stop sending us dildos. No. <laughs> you got sent so many dildos. And we're way off topic. But here's, here's the funny part. One of the, in my opinion, and I remember laughing the first time I ever saw this. I thought one of the funnier lines that Ryan Reynolds has in this movie, when they're all on the roof and they have the little exchange and Blade sort of walks off from him and Abigail and he turns to Abigail and he's like, he hates me, doesn't he? Yeah. And he did. The scene ended before that happens. That was not in the script. That wasn't him ad-libbing. That was Wesley Snipes walking off set after the scene ended and him turning to Jessica Biel and saying... He hates me, doesn't he? <laughs> and it flowed with the movie, so Goyer kept it in. Oh my god. That is so rough. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. Poor, <laughs> Poor Ryan Reynolds. Everyone, yeah. Okay, so that actually seems like a good place to start on this. Ryan Reynolds in this movie. As we said, he'd never really been an action star before this. Put and on he, 25 pounds of muscle for this movie? And he immediately showed... That he could. He was great. He's yeah. great. He's really good. Ryan Reynolds. He's not Hannibal he, King. <laughs> yes, no. but he defined what Ryan Reynolds as an action star could be. And we described it before as he was auditioning for Deadpool. No. He found out who Deadpool was making this movie. Right. Because uh, someone was like, you would be great as Deadpool. And he's like, I don't really. And they handed him. Cable and Deadpool 2, in which Ryan or Deadpool describes himself as Ryan Reynolds mixed with like a meat grinder or something mm -hmm. like that. And Reynolds laughed and was like, I would be great at this. And that's why the Deadpool <laughs> movie exists. Here we are. Absolutely. I 
this movie came out around the time period that I was really actually starting to pay attention to entertainment news more. Mm -hmm. And it was right after this movie dropped that you first started hearing the rumors of like, "Eh, Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. And I, everyone would be like, Ryan Reynolds, that guy from two guys, a girl in the pizza place. And I would be like, have you not seen Blade Trinity? He is going to be the perfect Deadpool. I am a hundred percent behind this. It was, well, this wasn't a big movie. And I mean, like it was, kind of a B-movie action. Like, temp- superheroes were not the tent poles that we think of them today. Yeah. This is the movie that proved that he had star power in a way that we didn't know before because there have been plenty of actors that did some sitcoms and then did a raunchy sex comedy and then... That's it. Fizzled out. Even good ones. Even, I mean, Freddie Prince Jr. had a nice run, but he kind of did those two things. And, I mean, he's had a career ever since, but he's... He didn't maintain the star power that, like, Ryan Reynolds did. Yeah. And still does. Yeah. Still yeah. does. Yeah. I mean, he's been in movies this year that were big-name movies that were mostly... And he's, he runs that phone company, too, or helps run it. Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile. And he uses... I didn't know he helped run it. And Aviation Gin. Yep. Like he, that one I knew. And actually, I forgot to even bring it up. I was going to say when we were watching the Ted Lasso trailer, I was like, this makes me also wish that the next season of Wrexham was starting soon, which I think it's supposed to. But and he played Detective Pikachu. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Which which is great. I did not expect good things of and then really enjoyed every moment of that movie. (laughs) It's a good movie. Bulbasaur heard. Bulbasaur heard and actually proving how terrifying Mr. Mime is as a human being. (laughs) Mr. Mime is the worst. We did a whole episode on this, and it was mostly Steven and I yelling at Mr. Mime. Um, uh, I still say Lickitung and Psyduck are the worst, but... Gengar looks amazing. <laughs> That's my favorite Pokemon, by the way. Gengar and Hypno. Oh, so okay. good. But Mr. Mime is terrifying. <laughs> yes, he is. he's a psychopath. Anyways. I'm... So, I am curious, what are all the things that you ended up liking? Have we even done the plot of the movie yet oh vampires want to get dracula so dracula can do dracula things dracula dies the end theoretically all vampires die but they're automatically setting it up for future i think in the media areas which that lady said but it was supposed to like spread but obviously it didn't work because at the very end of the movie it's like the war is still continuing yeah but there was also the implication that one day blade was going to like fail and yeah exactly no it's just whatever um yeah i mean the alternate ending he kind of lives because he vamps out on some doctors at the end that's what's implied him and then rides off in presumably to continue his hunt but it seems like it's a much darker uh not held in check blade I was definitely watching being like, I don't believe in suicide, but man, like, if really all is keeping vampires from coming back, Blade would not have a problem at all just... Killing himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Don't do that, by the way. Just PSA. Right. It's never the um, option. But, uh, uh, I mean, Hannibal King, as much as we ignore Hannibal King. I liked Whistler's daughter more, Abigail Whistler, more in this one than I did the first time I saw her, but... Another uh, on-set thing. Whistler's daughter. Mm-hmm. This is fun. At the end, w- towards the end, when she shoots the arrow at Dracula, mm-hmm. and you kind of have, like, the straight-on shot of, like, the arrow sort of coming at the camera. Did she actually shoot the camera? Oh, yeah. Went right through the lens of a $300,000 camera. Oh. Well, don't 
put that in front of an archery range, man. Like, it's amazing. There was like there was like a like a plexiglass sheet above the lens that she was supposed to be aiming at, and just full on bullseye straight through the lens. Heck yeah, that's amazing. It is incredible. Uh, she has terrible form. Better than Hawkeye though. Better than Hawkeye. Hawkeye has the worst form I've ever seen. Okay, so like, I know we've covered this in the podcast. My wife is a big bow hunter. She has ruined me for archery on set. That said, Abigail Whistler's shots would be a lot better if she would stop flicking her freaking hand so hard every time. You're supposed to just like, loosely let go of your fingers. Like literally, it's basically just like, stop holding it in and let it go as, as opposed to like actively letting go. And then you mm-hmm. follow through, you don't move because then the shaft of the arrow is still traveling across the I bow. I did find it funny. There were a couple of points of one, she starts shooting with the bow and then it's showing it either going faster or stronger or I don't remember what, <laughs> but didn't show any sign of like changing stuff or even her like upping the pressure. So it didn't make any sense. <laughs> and then two, like 20 miles. it shows her thing afterwards and apparently Abigail Whistler, for a vampire hunter who specializes in archery, has no concept of what grouping is. Because you oh. want, at the end of your archery thing, for all of your arrows to be as close as possible to each other to the center target. Mm. And she's just shooting all over mm-hmm. that thing. Because if you if you want the, the most accurate thing you aim for the smallest thing possible. Like mm-hmm. when I'm aiming on a target, I will pick one black dot on it. And I very rarely hit the black dot, but I can get a grouping within that area as mm-hmm. opposed to like, I'm going to aim for the torso anywhere on the torso is fine. And then you end up like wildly separated. <sighs> Making fun of the night stalkers was fun. I don't know. Like I feel like this movie was two good movies that got turned into one terrible movie. Interesting you say that thing about the two movies. The opening car chase was supposed to be the opening to Blade 2. Guillermo hated it and how it ran straight into a second thing and cut it. Which is why they never use that weapon that he uses at the end of the chase again in the entire what is, movie. What is the weapon? I don't even remember. He had that the like shocking. knife on the... Oh, the string? On the string. Oh, that was super mm. cool. And then he goes back to Whistler, and he's like, this worked really well, and then he doesn't use it for the rest of the movie. That's because that was supposed to be in the movie before and was cut. <laughs> I did like the shotgun that was shooting stakes out of it, though. That was pretty cool. That was cool. Just loading stakes into a double-air shotgun and then popping people. I wanted to tell Whistler, you do realize there are other guns than shotguns, though, right? Because he just hid, like, ten <laughs> shotguns in his area. Well, if he's not using shotguns, he's blowing himself up, so... <laughs> I kind of headcanoned it as, like, this is the closest we had at the time to somebody using the Hellfire shotgun. Yeah. No, it... The stuff that I liked is, I mean, just the Blade stuff. It's less good Blade. Like, I I enjoy... I cannot remember a single actor's name. The main guy. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes, yes. This is where my brain is. You're you have the COVID brain and the muscle relaxers, and somehow it's affecting me instead. Um, <laughs> Wesley Snipes as Blade is always fun. Yes. He's just even when he's not trying or caring or being fun to anyone around him. I You were gonna disagree with me here, clearly. I actively didn't like a lot of the scenes he was in in this movie. It I could feel like the lack of like energy because in the other two movies you oh you felt the lack it. of energy 
from Wesley Snipes on Blade <laughs> Trinity. Yeah, yeah. weird. <laughs> I'm like, like it. The way he delivered lines was like so like. Uh, yeah, no, he was phoning it in. I just like Wesley Snipes' Blade enough that I still enjoyed him phoning it in. That's fair. I am not, by any stretch of the imagination, claiming that it was quality product. The most energy I saw him give in the movie was when he was talking to the police officer, and they're like, they'll kill me if I tell you. And he's like, mother I'll, I'll kill, kill you. you. <laughs> I'll just enjoy it more. <laughs> that was like the most energy he had in the whole movie. <laughs> That and when he was making fun of the Night Stalkers. <laughs> yeah. So I, last episode, I brought up and explained the whole concept of fake shimps and, you know, using stand-ins and stuff. I chose to do it with that movie because it sounded like he wanted to be there for that movie. Yeah. This movie, unless it's a close-up, it's not Wesley Snipes. Yeah. And I, I, I obvi- we know why yeah. from the, the creation of the movie. But, like... Legitimately, I, like, 80% of him in this movie is his stunt double. Uh, I had fun watching it, but when I thought, when I was thinking through it, a lot of the fight scenes, I didn't know why they were actually fighting. I don't know why the cops were ever involved. Why would they raid that base, and then the first thing they tell each other is, shoot to kill. Like, you're here to arrest him. <laughs> and then okay, he, now, to be fair, that already happens in real life way more I often know, than it yeah, should, that's, too. I know. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I also, I, I mean, I looked at Nikki, and, and I was like, huh. <laughs> Now, when I say I liked it more than I expected to, I expected to hate every second of it and was actively like, I don't really want to watch this movie. But then I did and had fun. What I really like is Ryan Reynolds, if we're being honest. I like Ryan Reynolds. He's fun. Mm -hmm. He makes a lot of bad movies, but he tends to be fun in those movies. I feel like if you took out Blade from this movie and just made it the Night Stalkers... You wouldn't have to change overly much. Just fighting Dracula... I feel like that would have just been a better movie. <laughs> I kind of enjoyed my unending rage at every single choice they made with Dracula, which I do want to get into. Um, fair. I don't know. As I said, like, they were so close to a fun Blade movie in a couple of places, but I can't really, like, what you like about this movie? Well, none of it was good. I had fun watching it, yes. and I didn't expect that. That's fair. Is really where it was at. We laugh. Purcell, Dracula. <sighs> We're gonna start at the beginning here. One, why the? Okay, I, hmm. there's so many places to start at that I don't actually know where the beginning. Okay, you know the ancient it. Sumerians called him Dagon. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that thing we were talking about. We earlier? are going. To go with this as the beginning, because I just went white hot with rage for a second. I couldn't see. (laughs) If you're going to use Dracula, why are you going to do everything possible to not call him Dracula? To not have the character of Dracula? Not have the story of Dracula? Not have any literally the only reason they called him dracula is because dracula is well known and so he could have that like you've heard bram stoker's fable Mm -hmm. that's it that is also that's not how babies work you can't just toss them like that (laughs) (laughs) you know what yes also yes i was this is gonna make me sound like a monster I was disappointed Dracula didn't just toss the baby down the center. I'm surprised he didn't eat it. Because we spent all of that time watching them run up that unending thing with the idea that he could drop the baby at any point. Yeah. 
And I was certain that he was going to be like, catch me, Blade, and drop him down the thing. But instead, they stopped to have a pointless conversation on the roof. Yeah. I, okay. I, I literally told Nikki, Nikki's like, why did he steal the baby? I'm like, portable snack? <laughs> yeah, that's what Zizi said. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a Go-Gurt right there. Yeah, it's like a Capri Sun. Wait, Probably they, they tastes had, about as good as a Go-Gurt, too, which is real bad. They had Capri Sun. They had the freeze-dried humans. <laughs> Another thing that CC said. Yeah. How are you, my wife? That's creepy. Okay. <laughs> that is. <laughs> um, so, okay. Wait, freeze-dried mm. humans. I do want to point out, this is one of the neat things that they actually carried over. That was supposed to be explained in the very first Blade. That, that makes sense. That was how they were going to keep all the vampires alive after Lamagra showed up, was that oh. they had already established these human farms. Gotcha. Most of the scenes involving those got cut. But if you go rewatch the first there Blade, is some reference when they're them. going into the vampire nightclub in the beginning, that's what are on the racks that almost that they're pushing yeah. as they're going into the warehouse yeah, yeah. that he almost gets run over by. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I'm amazed that he did not blow that up, considering that he blew up literally every other thing in this movie. <laughs> OK, but just to get back to my Rage of Dracula. Because we're, we're just going to go through this. One, it is so clearly that he is playing Varney and not Dracula, and they chose to go with it because Dracula has better name recognition. Which That being fine. said, I don't know if Goyer intentionally wrote Varney. I don't know if he yeah, knows no, that Yeah, no, because Goyer does not know anything about the Blade movies or almost any character he writes, despite the fact that he was involved in, like, a 50-issue run of JSA. You yeah. don't worry about it. That was a really good run that got worse when he left. <laughs> but mostly it was the other writers like taking his stuff and making it worth reading. Mm. It, not, I'm not getting into my opinions of Jeff Johns. Uh, Jeff Johns. Um, but yeah, clear like that is Varney down to Sumerian. Although Varmarian or Varney was um, Volusian. It's all the mm-hmm. way back to like Cole, but like all of that. He's called. He was originally called Dagon. no. He's not. You guys have to stop turning Dagon into demons. He was a random Sumerian god out of like 150. They were busy. <laughs> they had so one. There were minor city-states that existed for like 3,000 years. So they just had time. But they had gods for everything and wildly competing stuff. And if, if you ever get into conspiracy theory, they're like the Anunnaki, which is a name for the major level Sumerian gods. There are only 12... Only 12 Sumerian gods, and they're aliens. I'm like, no, no, and no. There's like, there's like 12 gods of war alone. You can just go back to ancient Greece and see all the gods they had. Then, some of them were originally Anunnaki. <laughs> Aphrodite is a direct... Yeah, yeah. They just stole Ishtar. Uh, okay, but then if we ignore Sumerian... Actually, no, because they show up in a ziggurat that for some reason is completely excavated... But there's nothing around it. There's no wider city. There's no. It's just a random ziggurat in the middle of the desert. Ziggurats were the centerpieces to every major city. You don't, as at least as far as I know, and if I'm wrong and you have proof, please, please tell me. I love, I love Sumerian history. Ziggurats don't just exist in the desert. Yeah, that would be like putting a major cathedral, and I mean like the one that burned down in Paris a couple of yeah, years Notre ago. Dame. Notre Dame. That'd be like putting Notre Dame in the middle of nowhere. In the middle, like in the Florida swamps. Like that's like it probably do well there. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, 
I didn't do well where it was. They bring him in. Multiple Dra- times, actually. But. Dracula, I'm not calling him Drake. Dracula is supposed to be, like, he ranges wildly from character point to character point. Because at first, he's just mean angry vampire. eating people, including other vampires vampire. Like, there's no deeper, he, he's just a giant anger brute. And then he shows up completely incapable of putting on a shirt properly. Which is probably the most accurate part of Dracula, as I, I called him uh, Himbo Dracula is how you're supposed to do Marvel's Dracula, but CC point out Himbos are nice. So Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. F-boy Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> they successfully played a Dracula who would have been... De- they successfully played a Dracula who would have been defeated by a floppy drive. So I will grant them that. Yeah. But he's supposed to be like deeper planning, but is not actually involved in any of the plans. No, he just goes and hangs out like in the upstairs loft while the other vampires are playing plans and then shows up and is threatening because he could kill them. That's fine. His upstairs loft completely reused sets from Stargate Atlantis. (laughs) Atlantis. And one of the actors is a reused actor from Stargate Atlantis. The good stuff. <laughs> the the guy that like gave them the random uh here's the one arrow that I managed to make. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in Stargate Atlantis in another completely forgettable role. Hey, I can't even remember. <laughs> God, Stargate Atlantis. That's the most depressing thing I've heard, and I liked Atlantis kind of. <laughs> I like it. The only good thing that came out of Stargate Atlantis was Jason Momoa. Momoa. <laughs> also, the only good thing to come out of Baywatch Nights. Yeah. Like, you could have largely taken Dracula out of this movie and changed absolutely nothing about the plot other than here's our MacGuffin device to kill. Who was that? We read the comics and he has the cult and they all have like their arms turned to different things and they all live forever. And he, he killed, uh, what is his name? He looks like a robot and he can like turn his arms like hammers and knives and stuff. I forgot his name. Is this a vampire thing? We finished those comics before we did this movie period. He did fight. I think he straight up fought Dracula and killed Apocalypse? Yes. Apocalypse would have been a better Uh, (laughs) Apocalypse? Vampire Apocalypse would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. Then when we get to the final thing and suddenly, oh yeah, suddenly he's, uh, Drake is obsessed with honor. Out of nowhere, he talks like wharf lines from TNG. They had Worf's weapon. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kinda. <laughs> yeah. And then, I've watched one clip of Worf from the new Star Trek Picard season and it is better than any single thing that Dracula did in this entire movie. And then he shows up and he's like, are you ready for the end game, Blade? Obviously, I super respect you, even though we've had no interaction that would make me respect you. And I'm going to fight you in not only the world's most pointless and practical armor, not remotely Sumerian. Props to Dominic Purcell. He did all of his own sword fighting. Yes. And it was bad. It was not sword fighting. <laughs> I mean, yes, but props to him for doing yeah, it. No, Good fair friend. enough. Yeah. Credit to him legitimately, but it opened up and I was like, this looks like something out of Highlander. And then we watched it and we, the sword fighting in Highlander was better than this. I the, the first few attacks happened, I looked over to Nikki and I was like, that's not sword fighting. <laughs> 
Ancient Sumerians would have existed during the Bronze Age. So, one, they wouldn't have had that fake steel armor that he was wearing. Mm -hmm. Two, I mean, I guess the only open, like, realistic thing is the wildly open chest, because bronze armor was so heavy that you didn't tend to wear a chest piece. You would wear a conical hat, sometimes some kind of armored chest, but uh, it tended to be more like wicker kind of stuff. You're more likely to use a wicker shield. And then, like, a conical helm and a bronze sword, or more likely a spear or axe, because mm-hmm. the swords didn't exist for until about 2000 yeah. BC, and they didn't become common weapons until uh, the Iron Age, because you could make longer weapons more functional. So he should, if you wanted him to be Sumerian, because I guess they did for some bizarre reason, I'll even let him have a full armor set, even though the Sumerians wouldn't. One... You don't need a shirt that somehow shows more of your nipples than the shirt you were wearing before that had exactly one button. That one button was important. <laughs> it almost looked it Japanese. Was holding back that Dominic Purcell sexiness. It almost <laughs> looked Japanese for parts of it, except for the random, like, Renaissance or pre-Renaissance, like late medieval period more lace fluff. side going on here. Like, yeah. and I'm not someone who's like, well, that's a 14th century helmet and you're supposed to be taking place in 10th century because just shut up. But none of that armor matched. None of it made sense. It actively hampered him. <laughs> I saw the arm piece. And I was like, it was wiggling while he was fighting because it wasn't attached or made properly. And then I was also like, so like, you wear armor to protect yourself, right? And I guess if you're in a duel without a shield, that could maybe help, but like... <laughs> and then he takes it off and is more effective, and then he just turns into angry demon man... He not only took and that is suddenly off, actually effective. Yeah, like he took the arm piece off and his shirt off. It all came off. And Dominic <laughs> Purcell wore a shirt for as long as he could. Yeah, and then it was just <laughs> wrestling at that point. I'm not gonna lie. I'm still blown away by the fact that Parker Posey's in this movie. Yeah. She's one of those that I know I know her, but I can't really. So I know I've seen her in more things than just this, but because of how often I rewatch them, I always think of her as being as one of the ensemble people from the Christopher Guest movies. And in fact, in uh, Waiting for Guffman, she gives what, in my opinion, is one of the most heartbreaking line deliveries in all of cinema. In a, in a scene where she's saying, if this play doesn't work out, they always have a spot for me at Dairy Queen. Oh, they might have after this movie. But also... I have a feeling that, well, I'm pretty sure I read this anyway, and it's not just a feeling, but with how much they're both known to improvise, that all of her and Ryan Reynolds back and forth was all improv She came across as a good actor, actress. Uh, Working everything she could in a really bad role. She was not. I really, I felt like the, her line delivery when she was... Torturing Ryan Reynolds, or Hannibal King. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, let's be honest here. Mm-hmm. was really good. Like, she, the, the, how close she sat to him, and then the whole, just in his ear, like, I'm going to make you eat that girl. Literally, the only time she was dangerous is in that, I'm going to make you eat yeah. that girl. That scene was very well done. It was just every other... Just out of curiosity, just... 
because I bring up her uh, improvisation, improvisational talent. Do you guys know anything about how the Christopher Gus movies are made? No. Because it's kind of interesting. I've never seen Waiting for Guffman. Uh, I don't even know what movies these are, to be honest. A lot of yeah, like Waiting for Guffman, uh, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind. Okay, I've seen some of them. Uh, they don't write dialogue for those movies. When they write the script for those movies, they say, this is where it's going to start, this is where it's going to end, and then they write, like, five to ten page backstories for each of the characters, give it to the actors, and they improv every scene. It's just, and they give them good, they get good improv actors. It's just like D&D roleplay, but it's just, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. I couldn't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would flounder immediately. It's it's insane, the performances they give, because you would swear up and down that that was scripted but with, like, not. the deliveries and the timings and the yeah. the intricate layers of the it's, humor that they're working in. But it, they're it, just going, this is your character. We need the scene to start at this place and end at this place. It's basic, basically method acting at that point, because you're just the character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they also just take tons of footage, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, there must be, like, 80 takes for each. Because you, if you, yeah, if the conversation fizzles, you have to start over. Mm-hmm. Go again. Well, and even if it does work, it's just, you know, like, well, that one might be hard to make work. Or, yeah. like, yeah, it's just. And so then John Michael Higgins, who was, like, the, the scientist familiar of the vampires. Okay. Mm. He's also in all of those. He did a good job coming across as a really skeezy. Wait, he was the the psychiatrist doctor guy. Yeah, he was the okay, guy yes, who, yes, that yes, they yes, were yes, like yes. interviewing in the very beginning. Uh huh. Yeah, he's also the uh, <laughs> rich, sometimes billionaire or sometimes villain billionaire from Legend of Korra, who always shouts, "Julie, do the thing." <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I forgot about that. And um. The guy interviewing him, who's in a bunch of stuff, but is not a... The only reason this is important is Chris goes, that's Dr. Cox's psychiatrist. The guy interviewing him has one episode arc in Scrubs where he plays Dr. Cox's psychiatrist who has the most combative relationship with him. And I just remember him sitting down going, you will not defeat me to Dr. Cox. (laughs) Brilliant. That's amazing. It's Dr. Cox. It was really fun to watch this movie with a bunch of people who had no plans and to be like, did we have fun? Did we enjoy it? Ryan Reynolds made me legitimately laugh multiple times just on his own. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also wanted to point out, uh, since we pointed out the sword fighting and the the archery stuff that wasn't accurate, some of the things that Ryan Reynolds was doing in the fight scene with uh, that wrestler was actual jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Uh, the arm bar and the reversal he did were semi-accurate. Like, I actually perked up. I was like, they did something cor- semi-correctly? <laughs> well, here's where the semi-correctly comes in. They were doing it WWF style. Yeah, so, like, it was flared, but some of it was based on actual things I have done. Like, Well, and watching... You said that's Triple H? Triple H, yep. Watching Triple H just do actual wrestling moves to him, I was like, well, if you're gonna hire Triple H to do it... <laughs> Just, yeah, of Why course not? you're going to do that. And, like, Where's he goes through that entire fight scene, does the do- uh, fights the dogs, kind of runs from the dogs. Yeah. Those dogs aren't dead, by the way. Where's they, my dog? Have you checked the, the lobby? lobby? That would not have defeated the dogs because they're vampires. They would have gotten up from that. But, and then, like, falls through and, 
lands back where he started, CeCe cracked up at that. Like, it was legitimately <laughs> well done, bit, 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 bit. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. I enjoyed it. It was just everything else in this movie, including, like, weird pauses, and when he's explaining Drake and he's, like, talking directly to the camera, it just pulled me completely yeah. out of the scene. Uh, Not Ryan Reynolds' fault. That mm -hmm. was yeah. a director who didn't know what he was doing yeah. on a, like, which is fine. There's a director going like, why isn't this the downfall guy? <laughs> Everyone has to direct their first movie. Yes. It just shouldn't be the third movie in a relatively respected action trilogy. That the studio is actively trying to keep going in some way. Yeah. Yes. I guess there was also the scene where they're roughing up the base level familiars and they have that guy hanging off the side of the, the bridge or the building mm -hmm. and the phone rings and Blade's like, oh, it's you. <laughs> and they grab the phone out. That's kind of what I mean of like, it's just fun to watch yeah. Wesley Snipes play Blade. And then Ramel's like, you should you should try blinking more often. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I had a lot of sugar this morning. <laughs> he hates me, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the other Drake thing that bothered me. Why does he transform into Whistler when infiltrating? How does he know what Whistler looks like? He should. Why does he care who Whistler is? Does it? Why would it matter other than to confuse Ryan Reynolds, who's on morphine at the time and can't do anything? The only other person he tricks is the blind lady who cannot see that he's Whistler. And he turns back into himself before he kills the blind lady. So it doesn't even matter. I oh, Natasha Leone, you got done dirty in this movie. <laughs> Did they just have, like, we need Chris Christofferson to appear in a certain number of minutes in this movie? I guess so. I mean, if it would have been Chris and Wesley's way, they wouldn't have introduced any extra hangers on, and it would have been another them against vampires movie. <laughs> Which is funny to me, because I was thinking about this, that he was mad about how little Blade time, and I could see Wesley Snipes being like, Blade doesn't need help, and then being like, literally the point of the, the script of this movie is that you are wrong. <laughs> like, I still... I think introducing the Night Stalkers was a good call. Killing off Whistler immediately was a bad one. I don't think he should have... And this is just my take. And he I shouldn't have come Whistler. back in the second one? I think he should have stayed dead. I don't think he... The way they brought him back in the second one, I didn't like, and I don't think it makes a lot of sense. No, it makes zero sense. But it why existed do because that? we wanted more Chris Christopherson, which, which I did. I I'm glad he was there, but like story wise, in all honesty, he shouldn't have come back. And then to bring him back, just to blow him up in the first five minutes of the third movie, <laughs> there there's a lot of crossed wires. <laughs> it's not mm -hmm. working very well. <laughs> yeah, you could have had a cool Blade movie. You could have had a cool Night Stalkers movie, and instead they had a bad. Both. And there are ways you could have had them work. Including still just having Ryan Reynolds doing his whole Hannibal King thing. Mm. But, like, I don't know. And I don't know what I would have done. I wouldn't have killed Whistler. I would have... That yeah. whole scene is terrible. Like, they're actively... Whistler's actively just killing officers. <laughs> yeah. He, he just, he Blade did, is not killing people, and, and Whistler does kicking. not... Care. Like, there's a lot of kicking in this movie, I realize. But, like, Blade's, like, doing his kung fu thing, and Whistler's just pulling shotguns out of every, like, <laughs> orifice of that building, just blasting cops away, blowing so up his computer. Y'all do not know how many shotguns I have. <laughs> he, at one point, he runs out of ammo in his current shotgun, loads three shells in, shoots it four times, and then grabs a new shotgun. I was like, <laughs> I was like what? He had one in the barrel. What uh, 
It makes no sense. And they killed so many cops. Okay, they went in saying, shoot to kill. They killed so many cops. And then they didn't shoot Blade on sight. <laughs> and then the cop thing stopped being a thing until the very... It needed to be again? <laughs> the female... And the until mailers. they wanted to be like... Uh, we haven't had enough James Remar, and we're paying James Remar. And so. even then, it didn't need to be. It just was like, well, they did blow up the better part of a building, so I guess we'll bring the cops in again. Oh, that was the other thing that confused me. They straight up, like, attack various human guards when they're breaking into bad psychiatrists' He smashed place. that other doctor's head against the door. A couple of times, they well, straight no up pulled a gun on the guy that was going to call 911, Pulls out another gun just to be fun with it. <laughs> and then leaves. And I guess that guy's like, I guess I'm not going to call 911. He pulled a, pointed a gun at me and then left. I mean, they're still like, in the building. Would you call the cops? I would leave and then call 911, yes. I mean, I would too, but. <laughs> <laughs> I would hit the panic button that I'm certain is there. It has to be. Well, booking it after Ryan Reynolds leaves. <laughs> Do you think. Do you think Dr. Karen Jansen from the first movie wakes up and reads some of the headlines after all of this and being like, turns out I dodged a bullet leaving that guy behind. (laughs) I think so. What was the line? Also, Hannibal King was cured by her thing. They didn't even really mention that. Thank you for bringing that up. This movie gets really, really, really screwed up when it establishes there is absolutely a cure for vampirism instead of kind of the weird half cure from the second movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you can cure them, why are you going to vampire genocide? Because it's easier. Blade. With biological weapons. Yeah, no, it, none of this movie. This movie makes about as much sense as Wonder Woman 1984. Mm-hmm. Which is the most plot-terrible movie we have ever discussed on this podcast up till this thing. Another movie I had fun watching, and then we talked about it, and I just started ranting for an hour and a half. The only other part of the movie that I I got a giggle out of was when <laughs> the psychiatrist is sitting with Blade in the in the police station and he's interrogating him. He's like, "How's your relationship with your mother?" And then I had like panic flashbacks to <laughs> the, the first movie where <laughs> I think my exact words after that was extremely sexual. <laughs> I always find the underpinnings for disorders like these are sexual in nature. <laughs> Like, shut up. Yeah, like, I was like, okay, so clearly you're, you're supposed Freudian. to be evil. It's so easily set up to be evil, but you're still the worst psychiatrist of all time. You're worse than Diana Troy on Next Generation. She's At least she therapist. pretends. Oh, my God. <laughs> Some of the stuff she would say actively hurt me. I'm like, you cannot say that to a client. <laughs> The important thing about Diana Troy was that she normalized the idea of therapy more than yes. almost anything ever has. She's still one of my media. favorite characters. Oh, she's amazing. Show. The Adventures of Diana Troy, the space therapist, is always great, <laughs> even when she's dating the worst people in next-gen she history. also has killed more people than some therapists I know when she was on that. She should have killed more people than any therapist you've ever met. <laughs> if you know therapists that have killed people, they should probably not be therapists. I mean, I've watched the Hannibal TV shows. So good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's first time I saw Hannibal is also the first time I took the dab rig, so yeah. uh, that might explain why I hate both of them. Oh, no. <laughs> that first episode is already an acid trip. Yeah, Brian Fuller's style on that show throughout it, the entire thing is I couldn't watch wild. That at all. 
I almost smoked before Martyrs, and then I was like, That's I a really shouldn't. good idea that you didn't. I probably should. <laughs> I'm realizing that we're ta- bringing in a conversation that we had in between recording, but like, uh, well, you guys know us. Uh, it's <laughs> legal in Montana. Okay, do we have anything else on Blade Trinity other than, because I don't need to yell more about Drake, but I probably could if we needed to fit in time. <laughs> I think I got everything I wanted to talk about. <laughs> I got all the little trivia I had stored away out, so. Yeah. Is it good? No. Is it better than you remember? Probably. probably, unless you for some reason thought it was good before. I never watched it before, and even after I watched it, I had fun, and I got to watch it with Nikki, which made it more fun. So bring it friend. I had fun watching it. I expect I will like it more than Morbius. Speaking of which, it's Mormon time. <laughs> he said it first. Yes. As we discussed on the Morbius episode, I made you guys promise to to control the number of times that we're going to say it. I haven't it. said it yet. Me either. I know. On camera. I mean, not camera. On mic, at least. I know. We have a camera? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I said, stop making sense before I said more. I'm just sense. I know the whole thing was I was saying when we talked about that was I know you're going to say it. I'm not trying to stop you from saying it. Just make sure that you're doing it like at the right times and not interrupting every single sentence. That's fine. Because before we started recording the Morbius episode, that's what was happening. (laughs) We're professionals. Yeah. (laughs) No, we're not. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Morbius next time. Yeah. Uh, We're hoping next time is actually next week. Oh, God. Please. Oh my God. <laughs> I want to do a. I'm. I'm legitimately enjoying the Marvel vampire movies, but I am so looking forward to everything. To else everything that's coming up, the monster stuff that's coming up, the Moon Knight that we're reading, the the Man month thing. of Thor that's eventually going to happen. That's a while away. The hiatus I took from the show, I think, took was less time than the time it's taken us to watch these movies. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh the the general nerdery stuff we have coming up is some of the I I haven't been excited for some of these episodes in a long time. And I'm always excited for general mm-hmm. nerdery. So um yeah. So Morbius next time. We'll have fun in the same way that we had fun this time, and then on both shows, a lot of fun is coming up. So thank you. In the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. That's Mac. That's Mac. Hi. Dismissed. All right, guys, quick postscript uh, to this episode, because I completely forgot that I kind of like was 98% sure that I had this. I can tell you for a fact, uh, what was the release date of this movie? 2004. What Do you remember what day? I'm going to look this up real quick. Uh, so this was released December 8th, 2004. I can tell you for a fact the first time I saw it was on December 18th, 2004, as I, in fact, still have my ticket stub. What in the Why? <laughs> That's amazing. That's <laughs> Why? I actually still have about probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 ticket stubs of movies that I saw in that time period. That was just a thing you were That was just a thing that I did at the time. That's fair. I used to keep a pretty extensive scrapbook, like photos and ticket stubs. I haven't tried to keep it nice. You can see that it's fading. And like some of the ones that I have 
I think are completely faded and you can't tell what they actually are yeah, they, anymore. It turns out they don't use high quality ink on ticket stubs. Because I don't think you're supposed to keep them for <laughs> almost 20 years. That's so cool though. 19 years this December. So I just, That's I wanted to bring this up while we were talking about the movie because <laughs> yeah. I was pretty sure that I still had it. And so if you guys, a uh, little piece of history right here. <laughs> It's I like that Mac is odd, and my response is basically, you doofus. <laughs> <laughs> the spectrum. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. Now we can get out of here. Sweet. Peace. Maker. Thank you for listening to this episode of New Byland. If you like the show, please hit subscribe. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, that would also be super helpful. As always, we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network and would greatly appreciate it if you could go check out all of our sister shows over at earworm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. A big special thanks to Ian Ford for our theme song and music. We'll catch you next time.